What's up, everybody, and welcome to what is uh, the last episode of the Sam's Report for the month of January. Already blowing through CES, well gone by. Uh, kind of encroaching on kind of the next development cycle series. We'll have Apple and Microsoft and Google events probably being announced here um, in the relative near future. Actually, Google already announced theirs for May. Uh, I suspect we'll hear something about Microsoft's in the near future, and then Apple typically does theirs in June as well. But um, a lot going on. A lot going on this week. Um, for those who have been asking about the the rig that I'm using now to do this podcast and kind of my daily driver going forward, posted that video up on the video feed on YouTube. So go check that out. And uh, if you're really interested in that stuff, uh, but um, let's let's just dive in, shall we? So interesting week this week. Microsoft is now putting Office in the store, uh, which we knew was coming. They've been testing it with Windows 10 S users for a while and all that stuff. And now anybody can go out and grab it. It's great. Actually, I went and downloaded uh, Word and Excel and PowerPoint because those are the three that I primarily use. No big surprise there. Um, a little bit of sloppiness on Microsoft's part. A couple things. The description in the store said that it was supported on Windows 7. I don't believe that's accurate at all. I don't think you can download these things on Windows 7. Even if you could get them onto Windows 7, they wouldn't run. Um, I don't, that was just kind of sloppiness. It also installs some random app called uh, Office Desktop Apps, and then it just kind of disappears after you reboot. Um, but whatever, you can go out and grab them. Uh, I actually prefer this method because there's certain apps I don't want, like or OneNote 2016 um, I don't want. I actually use the OneNote Store app. And so, yeah. I don't know, whatever, uh, if this sounds enticing to you, you can definitely go do that. You do need an Office 365 subscription, so do keep that in mind that they're not just free apps at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, speaking of Microsoft and Windows, a little bit here, kind of a rough transition there, if I'm honest. But uh, Microsoft announced this week that they will soon let you view all the data that they are collecting inside of Windows 10. This is a... This is one of those things that's a, a good step forward, right? People have been uh, clamoring about the telemetry ever since day one of Windows 10. They're saying, hey, you know, we want to be able to be more in control of what's happening on our PC. And lo and behold, it's taken them, what, two and a half years, maybe a little longer than that. And they're finally letting us see the data that they are now collecting. The problem is, is that there still is not a universal off switch. But um, you know what? It's called the data or the diagnostic data viewer, and it'll display different types of diagnostic data, as the name would suggest, uh, collected by the OS. This includes common data, your OS version, device type, etc., device connectivity and configuration data, such as capability, user settings, peripherals, and network info, uh, product and service performance, aka the health, the performance and reliability, uh, product and usage data on the device and apps and that, and then software setup and inventory and update information. So it's quite a bit of information, but you still can't turn it off. That's kind of the big thing here. It's like they said, okay, you can do this. Um, hopefully the next step is that you can actually turn it off because it's great. It's like you're going to see the data flying out the door, but there's not much you can really do about it uh, at this time, at least for uh, the average user can't really do too much about it. But um, that is now out, uh, that data diagnostic viewer in the Insider Builds. Microsoft released a new build. If you notice the, the feature updates, aside from this one, they're getting pretty slim. That's not a big surprise. Microsoft is in the final stages wrapping up Redstone 4. Uh, we, we know that this is right on schedule for them to do a roughly a March release is what they are targeting. And so feature inclusion winding down, reliability and bug fixes uh, bumping up. And that's kind of the, you know, the cadence that we should expect from here on out. But uh, yeah. But um, one date you do want to keep in mind and is February 8th. February 8th is going to be kind of an interesting day because, uh, let me explain. So earlier this week, 
uh, I got a bunch of internal emails from Microsoft. Somebody uh, very politely sent them to me because I posted up prior to that, uh, I believe it was on Monday or Tuesday, Microsoft had another round of layoffs this week. Now, it was relatively minor, think in the hundreds, not in the thousands. Um, this is pretty par for the course um, for a company that has over 100,000 people. That That's not all that surprising, to be honest. What uh, I, I just got tipped off about it, and I was like, hey, there's a lot of people talking about this. So I pinged Microsoft, and they said, yeah, there actually were layoffs, but this is kind of more routine. This isn't just everyday stuff. But anyway, so after I got that, that scoop, uh, somebody the next day sent me a whole bunch of internal documents that were talking about what actually happened. And so, at least in one org called Windows Next, which is kind of their kind of forward-looking uh, group inside of Microsoft, they deal a lot with the mixed reality, AR, VR. They build some of the apps. Um, they, they're including like HoloLens for Skype, um, the mixed reality viewer, the Paint 3D, and that kind of stuff. And so what they did was they combined two studios called Evoke and what, another one that threw me really for a loop. They kept using the acronym EDM, which I believe stands for Everyday Magic, according to the tipster. And they combined these studios. I believe Chris Prattley is now heading up that group. And um, some of the layoffs happen there because they combine things. And when you combine things, there's a lot of redundancy. And so some people, unfortunately, lost their jobs over it. Uh, one person who is not losing their job but is changing role, Megan Saunders, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Uh, she's been on stage quite a bit at, with the AR, MR, VR stuff, and she is now leaving that org. I don't know where yet, but um, that was kind of noted in the email. Uh, and Microsoft also reorged Windows Next. I'm not quite sure what the PENTAD is. If anybody knows what that acronym stands for, please let me know. But it's something to do with that group. And they, then I, in the post, I outlined how that org got completely uh, redone. Now, how does this all relate to February 8th? Uh, on February 8th is internally when Microsoft is going to formally, each, I believe each org is going to formally present what they are going to target for inclusion in Redstone 5. And so that is, uh, if you've been hearing about features coming from Redstone 5, I suspect after February 8th is when we will start to hear a lot more about that because that's when the teams are going to start formalizing what's going to be in it and the roadmap to get there. And so uh, Redstone 5 will arrive in the fall, but um, that's when that's when I, I think kind of the first milestone of what we might potentially start to get will begin to surface. So, uh, and, and nothing related to the surface brand, just surface in general. And so there you go. February 8th, be kind of on the lookout for that stuff. Uh, Microsoft um, also released an app this week that turns your basic sketches into code. This is actually kind of neat. It came out of the garage team and say you draw a button or a square or whatever, it will then turn that into the code necessary and you can import it directly into Visual Studio. It's just a neat little way to use a pen and actually just improve your coding process. So that is now out and going on. Uh, there's also 4 million gamers now on PUBG on the Xbox One right back there. I still play, I do play the Xbox One version on occasion, although knowing that I have a high-end PC, uh, that is where I prefer to play it because it's just generally better overall although i will tell you that they are closing the gap relatively quickly um the graphics will never be as good as the pc i don't believe but uh, uh they are closing that performance gap quickly on the xbox and that's not a, not a big surprise i mean we all knew this game was going to be rough when it came out the came out the gate in december and it looks like they're pushing patches roughly every week every every week or every other week and um they're, they're making good progress i'm just curious to see how long it takes for them to get to a really kind of fluid gameplay which is what I've been waiting for. And so uh, other things that are happening this week, I probably should have bundled this in with some of the Redstone stuff, but um, 
it looks like there's an evolution of Windows 10S. So the Windows 10 SKU has never really made a lot of sense, right? It's on the Surface laptop, and that's kind of it. And, like, why would you buy or a machine with Windows 10S or whatever? Anyways, I think Microsoft is going to be scrapping that idea, and they're going to be going to what is called S mode. Now, this has popped up in several places, such as for frontline workers. Um, we've seen it in some of the documentation, like Windows 10 Pro with S mode, uh, Windows 10 Home with S mode. And I think this is the right approach. One, just get rid of the S SKU. And basically, every version of Windows will have the ability to run in this S mode, which is only store apps, uh, basically no legacy applications. It has to come from the store. And we, we, I've hammered home a million times the benefit of this and how this is going on. And um, some other information came out, and a lot of people are asking for my opinion about it. Uh, and it's called, it, I believe Windows Central got it, but there were a couple other sites that reported the codename too as well. Uh, Polaris which is supposedly the next kind of consumer version of Windows, like the next modern. Now, we've been hearing that Microsoft has been modernizing Windows forever, right? It started with Windows XP, and then they're modernizing it, and we get Vista, and they're modernizing it, we get 7, they're modernizing it, we get 8, and they're modernizing it, we get 10. Uh, we've been hearing that for a long time. Like, I don't buy into that, and it's supposed to be doing away with legacy code. Although, I, using the terms legacy code is very dangerous, because things like drivers, that's legacy code. Things like underlying infrastructure is all legacy code. And you can't just hack that stuff out, or otherwise it's not Windows, it's something else. So, here, here's kind of um, the very obvious direction that Windows is taking. None of this should come as a surprise to anybody who's listened to this for a while. But Microsoft is going to a world where they want everything in the store. Everything. That's all, That's it. Everything's a modern app. Settings is a modern app. Uh, Active Directory is on a modern app. Uh, Task Manager is a modern app. Uh, Start Menu, which might already be a modern app. Uh, System Tray is a modern app. If everything's a modern app, you can hack away some of that old crap uh, that's underneath. Now, the, the key here is what about Win32 applications? And so, again, this writing is already on the wall. Actually, it's already on Qualcomm's wall. People are like freaking out. They're like, well, they're going to virtualize and containerize uh, Win32 applications. Congratulations, they're already doing that on Snapdragon. What do you think Snapdragon is? It's basically a forward-looking version of Windows running on ARM. It's virtualized almost intense entirely. Ta-da! <laughs> this, I, I, people were getting like all in a huff puff about this stuff. And it's like, guys, it's already here. Like... ARM is showing us the direction of Microsoft is taking Windows because they had to do that to get it running on ARM. They had to. There, there was no option. Now, they get benefits from doing that. Yes, there's some performance hits. Um, we, we all know that. But they can port that same stuff over to Intel and then just have one platform, one core. Yay! See how this is all fitting together? Uh, that's why I wasn't like all crazy about writing all this stuff up because I don't think it's anything all that new. I think we all kind of knew this. Now, granted, the Polaris name is new. I will absolutely give them credit for that. And the fact that they're removing legacy code, that's not a surprise. They do that. That's uh, Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but they're effectively refactoring it, and they're moving baggage that they don't need once they get into this UWP, UWP full platform. But the thing is, is like UWPs aren't what they used to be, right? Because they used to be this write once, run everywhere, but now you don't really write for the mobile anymore, and who the hell's writing modern apps for the Xbox? Basically, you're just writing for the desktop. And so, yeah, um, it's an interesting evolution, but it's this is the only logical path forward for Windows. Windows can't become heavier and more tied to x86 or x64. That's not a, a viable option. 
Qualcomm is eating everyone's lunch. They just got fined for some uh, activities with Apple, but that's a little aside from the point. But Qualcomm has nailed it, right? They, they've got these great chips coming, and Microsoft has to make sure that their product works on that to be sus- quasi-sustainable going forward. And, yeah, so they're, they're making this transition. The big question, though, that nobody's really asking is how quickly can they get there? Microsoft has a problem with timing. Either sometimes they're way, way, way too early, or they are so far late because they were so far past the curve that they missed the market, like with mobile. Um, the, the question is, how quickly can Microsoft get there to get rid of this crap and make it make Windows, you know, all UWP or whatever the hell you want to call it? Um, it, it that's the bigger question that nobody's really asking right now. Because if they can do this in three months, like with a Redstone 5, great. If we're looking like Redstone 10, that's not so great. That's, that's way too far out. And so that's that's what I'm trying to poke around and see is like when is this actually going to materialize into something that's relevant and useful that's not going to completely neuter the the home PC enthusiast because granted I very much fall fall into that category I bet a lot of people listening to this fall into that category where they have high end rigs and they're okay running legacy applications and all that because they want to game or they want to do video editing or they want to run CAD or um, all that stuff so uh, that's kind of my take on it. And I'll be curious to see how this plays out, if this is really much there. But um, I, I read it extensively. I tried to poke around a little bit. You don't have, I didn't have too much time. And everyone's just like, yeah, this is obvious, right? Think about it. Just where is Windows headed? The store, granted, I will give Microsoft credit. Grant, they have done a good job of making the store um, useful. I mean, there's quite a few apps. I use Todoist from there. I use Newton Mail. Um, I'm using, let's see, well, technically, I guess the Photos app is coming from there. I use Spotify from there. Uh, I use ShareX from there. Um, the apps that I'm running right now that I'm not using from there include XSplit, which is what I use to uh, record this podcast. Uh, what else is open? Uh, Chrome. That's going to be a kind of a big sticking point. Although I bet Microsoft, if they really wanted to, they could allow Chrome in the store. That's just policy. That's not, um, I don't think any... Um, it's just policy. They, they could they could change that if they really wanted. They absolutely could. But they have their reasons, and I'm not one here to push back. But um, if you want some widespread store adoption, that's one way to do it. That's one way to do it. The store's fine. Um, it's getting there. It's not perfect. It's not great. But now they've got Office in there. And so they're getting there. The one thing they don't have in there is Edge, their own browser, which is very odd. They won't link Chrome in because Chrome doesn't use... Uh, the Edge rendering engine, but they won't put Edge in there because it's too tied to the OS. I don't, this doesn't, it doesn't make sense, guys. Uh, service Edge through the store and you will get a lot of happy campers. But, um, you know, that is life. <laughs> My screensaver just kicked on. And if you're asking, yes, I do actually run a screensaver uh, for various reasons. Hopefully that didn't screw up the video. Um, anyways, so store coming along. Uh, other things, Fall Creators Update is already on three-fourths of Windows 10 PCs. That's actually pretty quick. That's pretty quick. Microsoft is getting more confident about shipping these things out. They're being more aggressive. And uh, I expect that their cadence to only increase pretty quickly, you know, with each uh, release going forward. And yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, also, Xbox Game Pass. If you're not using this, I personally don't, but I very well might be subscribing here soon. Uh, they're basically allowing any Microsoft-exclusive game, which basically the games that they produce in-house, uh, is going to be an Xbox Game Pass starting day one. And Game Pass is, I believe, 10 bucks a month. 
and then you can also get you can get all those games and a whole a massive back catalog this is actually becoming a very good value and the logic here is so it's basically it's not basically it is a hundred and twenty dollars for the year which is roughly the price of two games so if you're buying two games, you could spend the same amount of money, but get a whole bunch more. Now, granted, you're not going to get certain games co probably coming from like EA such a, on day one. Absolutely not. Not like Call of Duty is not going to be in there and other big titles aren't going to be in there. But if you're buying a bunch of other like kind of games, you might, it's definitely worth checking out. This is an interesting strategy by Microsoft. For example, Sea of Thieves, which they've been hyping up incredibly. The, the last time I saw something, Microsoft hyped something up like this. Um, somebody mentioned Titanfall, so yeah, there's that one. But also, but Titanfall wasn't an exclusive, I, be, I don't believe, uh, was uh, Sunset Overdrive. And Sunset Overdrive it was a good game, but it flopped. I mean, they haven't made a sequel, they haven't even talked about it. Uh, the information that was available at the time was that it wasn't selling very well. But anyway, Sea of Thieves uh, will be part of Game Pass, so if you want to try it out, you can basically pay 10 bucks. Play it for a month and, yeah, be done with it or do whatever. So, there you go. I'm uh, going to jump into the questions this week. So, all right, let me refresh it to make sure I got all the good stuff here. Da -da 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 -da. All right, uh, Tourniquet says, hey, Brad, what's... Oops. Oh, wait, kind of refresh there. We'll start at the bottom. Tourniquet says, Hey, Brad, what is going on with Windows IoT? Last Insider preview we got was Redstone 4, 17.035, back in November. Uh, was it cut to? Windows IT was always kind of based on Windows 10 Mobile. Not, is the merge Windows? No. Uh, Windows IoT is totally different than Windows Mobile, I was pretty sure. Uh, Microsoft, so Microsoft is making a big push in the enterprise world for Windows IoT. I actually got some information on it not too long ago. Um, it's definitely not dead by any means, but they're they're not really focused in any capacity on it by the consumer. They don't really care because there's not money there for them, especially since they don't have a mobile play. Uh, they're all enterprise. They want the data. They want the edge computing. Um, I, I don't have an exact reason why we haven't gotten we haven't gotten an insider build for that, but it's um, I, I I don't know. I mean, IoT is definitely still existing. Uh, Poncelia says, with the Surface laptop having Windows 10 Pro rather than S, uh, is there the future of the version really Windows that is less than full feet? Wait, what? With the Surface laptop, so don't get things confused here, having the option of Windows 10 Pro rather than S, I believe this is for corporate customers, not for the end consumer. Um, I believe there's a commercial line came out that said, hey, you can buy the Surface laptop with Windows 10 Pro instead of S. Is there really a future version of Windows that is less than full featured? Um, so basically, go. Well, if, hopefully you're listening to the whole podcast. But it, it's because they're merging Windows 10 S and Pro uh, in all the SKUs. Essentially, I think you're going to have an S mode, and so I think this is kind of the beginning of that. Microsoft kind of needs to come out and clarify this rather quickly. But the interesting thing to note is that Microsoft keeps extending the Windows 10 S upgrade um, offer. Remember, it was originally December. Now it's uh, right at the end of Redstone, uh, to, to, to right before the Redstone five or four launch. So I, I'm guessing we're going to hear about this relatively soon. So, uh, Usman says, would like to know more about, uh, the Polaris, the Windows Central post was really confusing from the gist of things. It looks like windows smells like windows, but isn't windows. Is there really, is there no legacy, but does the on-demand scratching quit? It has no legacy, but does on-demand. Uh, he's talking about kind of like app streaming that the Elite X3 does, 
where uh, you can kind of stream these older applications to the device. So at that point, it becomes even more consuming, consuming or confusing for a lot of PC enthusiasts. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. So is this just another RT situation that you can't upgrade Polaris to Windows 10? So first off, I I think there's some misinformation about how Polaris is actually going to be because Microsoft is not going to completely split the data, split the user group. They, they can't afford to do that. And there's no logic for doing that. They, they've already proven time and time again, they can't do a clean slate. It doesn't work. They tried it with Windows RT, failed spectacularly. Tried it with Mo Windows Mobile three times, by the way. Uh, Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 10. Uh, Windows Mobile 7, Mobile 8, and Mobile 10. Uh, didn't work. They are not going to be splitting the Windows user base like this. They can't. It, they won't win. They, if, they put a, if they try to relaunch Windows from scratch, it doesn't work. Now, are they going to put a small line down, a small dotted line down the legacy applications when speaking essentially Win32? And I know that's a broad umbrella, but Win32 versus the store apps, yes, they will. But I cannot see them creating a PC that will not run win32 apps like just it just won't do it now the performance will not be as good or and all that stuff and they might be limited to the store somewhat or you're, you're going to be running containerized but i don't think that they are going to completely lop off um the upgrade process either because it doesn't make a lot of sense there there's you're right there's a lot of consuming confusing information out there mostly because i don't think microsoft has all the information dotted uh, i've talked with many people who know about this stuff or vaguely about it and it's like yeah the the full narrative isn't there yet and we're still waiting to kind of see how this plays out i wouldn't read too much into it yes it's app yes it's i shouldn't say absolutely happening yes it's in development at this time when it will ship is is unknown mostly because microsoft has to figure this out they can't they can't keep just launching crap then reverting course like they're like they're doing with windows 10s uh, like that's the only they, they're very sloppy with this right now and it's a little frustrating and so um, I would expect hopefully maybe build might be the earliest we would hear about something like this but I, I'm not totally sure about how that's going to go forward uh, Microsoft's pitch to developers is just becoming very interesting it's like what are they pitching anymore um, build is supposed to be all about development but if all you can do is store development that means the only thing that they're going to be showing off at build is really high-end store features um, and, and I guess maybe Azure stuff and new features for Visual Studio. Never mind. I, you know, there's there is quite a bit there, but um, we'll see. I, I I wouldn't get too caught up in all the details yet, mostly because they aren't fully aligned or known. So, now Peter K says I have two questions. What new devices do you expect from Surface this year, and what devices do you think will be refreshed this year? I would expect um, this guy back here, the Surface Studio, should get a refresh soon. Um, if not, they need to slash that price like really quickly. Um, so I would expect something along there and it looks like the Andromeda device might be showing up this year. So I, I've been hearing that they're trying to push for that. And so, yeah, there's that. Uh, and he says, why can't I use the Microsoft account to log into your website? It's because we haven't turned it on. Um, we were getting a lot of spam issues from outside stuff. And so we kind of put a hold on that at this time. Uh, Steve M says, well, Cortana... Will Cortana on more third-party speakers like Sonos One, and will skills move outside the U.S.? Uh, you know, here's a really good question. Would you build 
at this time a Cortana standalone speaker. I asked this question to a couple different vendors at CES, and they're all like, mm -mm. "Like, th th there's no, there's no money in that banana stand right now. Um, th th there's really not." So, will it come to Sonos? That would be interesting. Um, Sonos. The problem with Sonos, and I love these guys. We'll talk about them more here in a minute. Uh, I love their stuff, but they are incredibly slow at development. Like they need to hire some new or more software developers and try to get stuff out the door rather than refreshing their app 65 times. They've changed the UI on their Sonos app like five times in the past two years. It's ridiculous. And they need to start investing more time getting things like Alexa full, oops, uh, the Echo stuff fully up and running. They need to get uh, Google Assistant on there. That's kind of what I'm waiting for. When the day you can buy one of the speakers and have the Echo, I don't want to say the name, or Google Assistant running would be great. Uh, it would be lovely to have Cortana in there too, but at their development rate, it would take five years before Cortana shows up. Uh, Herlin Grove says, what does he say? He says, has Microsoft released anything about monthly active users for Windows 10S? No, they have not, and I have asked, and they won't tell me. Uh, are there any rumors of OEMs making laptops with 3x2 screens? I know that Surface laptops have been 3x2. So, no, and one of the, the, one of the th interesting things is that 3x2 glass, which is what you need for the laptop display, is more expensive than 16x9 because 16x9 is used in everything, and everything is kind of designed around 16x9. So for an OEM to build a 3x2 laptop, which I would love to see, I'd love to see that resolution be more uh, kind of standard across the board. It actually costs them more money. So it's kind of, they've got that uh, running against them. That's a pretty strong headwind for OEMs who only make money on the margin, essentially. Not the margin. Uh, they make very little margin on the hardware. So there you go. Uh, Jombi says, which city will land Amazon HQ2? Uh, great question. Although I, my kind of guess is here. It's, it's going to be something that already has development infrastructure. So it's going to be a, a large, large ish city. For example, Columbus, Ohio, uh, was picked as one of the, the final 20, like, uh, but the reason being is that there's a Facebook data center there. I think, and there's an Amazon data center there. Uh, it's going to be something like that, or I, I can't, I mean, it could be something like New York, but I don't think that makes a lot of sense. It's very expensive, and um, I don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I, I don't really care too much. I mean, it's kind of egregious how the whole process is going on. States are just throwing, uh, quite literally, swamps and whatever protected assets they have to try to land this. But whatever. Uh, William MG says, based on what you saw at CES or your general awareness, are you aware of any good or recent soon-to-be-released 13-inch laptops in the $750 range that will charge via USB-C? I'm in the market for a new laptop and prefer not to have to carry around a proprietary charging brick. So I totally agree that I hope that my lap next laptop is a USB Type-C charging. I absolutely hope that. Um, as for that 17 or 13-inch 750 price range lenovo had a bunch of stuff they are definitely lenovo is definitely standardizing around the usb type c um but I, they didn't they weren't telling us price points at ces which is pretty typical and so i i don't know exactly and all this stuff the thing that i don't like about ces is we see all this stuff and it won't ship for months um so i would wait until the spring is typically when we see a lot of that stuff uh, also, back to school time is when we see a bulk of the laptops get released, but I don't have an exact date for any of that stuff. Uh, Jim Chaplin asks about Polaris, which I kind of already dug into. Uh, 
Wyman, Wyman71 says, any idea how we can protect ourselves against Spectre if our PC manufacturer is, has not issued a BIOS update yet? I have a 2012 Dell XPS that has not been updated. Thanks for your advice. So this is a really good question, and I'll be completely candid in saying that I don't think that you should really worry. Um, is this an issue? Absolutely. I don't know if there's any in-the-wild exploits of this currently. And so here's kind of my, my logic about this. Why somebody would attack you, unless you are uh, a lawyer, uh, a senator, a rocket scientist, um, extremely wealthy, um, you're pretty low on that target list. Also, with everybody patching it right now, the incentive to build out an exploit is lower. Granted, we know that they can be executed, I believe, via JavaScript. At this time, I would just keep yourself very acutely aware of the websites you visit. If you find yourself in a sketchy part of the web, get out of there. Like, um, that's going to be where you're going to get a virus anyways. You're still extremely prone to just your traditional virus. But, you know, if you're on quality websites like YouTube, Google, Petri, or whatever... Um, you should be okay. That's kind of my, my gut here is just be cognizant of what information you're doing on your computer. Uh, if you're extremely concerned, I would recommend doing all your banking and everything else from a device that you know is secure, such as potentially your smartphone, if it's not impacted, but that's kind of the thing. Um, if you're doing highly sensitive information, do it on a machine that you know is secure. If you're just browsing the web or somebody's trying to get in, can potentially get into your email. I mean, granted, there are ramifications of that, but it's relatively minor. Um, like my big risk or my big concern ever is that somebody will get into the bank, my bank account. Like that's right. That's the, that's the quickest uh, path to gold for a hacker is they say, oh, I can log into your checking and savings account. So I'm always very extremely cautious about logging into that stuff on machines that I know are good and clean and healthy. And, um, from there, just just use common sense until until you can get a patch. Make sure your Windows is fully updated. That's going to help you some, but there's until you you get that true uh, system or hardware level patch, you're kind of you're kind of up the creek until until that happens. So, uh, TJ Wimsley says, "Will you be buying a HomePod since so many since you have so many other smart speakers?" Um, no, I'm not buying a HomePod. I'm not. Um, I have. I have enough of these things. I mean, I have uh, Harman Kardon. I have an, I have echoes throughout the house. Uh, if I'm going to be buying anything, which I'm tempted to actually, one of the smartest things I think Sonos has done here recently is they have these uh, Sonos one speakers, which is a, a good sounding speaker. I, I can't comment on the sound quality of the home pod because I have not heard it, but it's a good sounding speaker. And they sell one called the Sonos one that has uh, Amazon built in as an echo built in I'm trying not to say the name. And supposedly it's going to be getting Google Assistant too. And so basically it's a very smart speaker and it's a very good sounding speaker. But the problem is they cost $199 a piece. And today or yesterday they announced that they can now buy two of them for $349. If $349 doesn't sound familiar, that is the price of one HomePod. And HomePod out of the gate will not support multi-room audio, which is one thing Sonos uh, does exceptionally well. And it's lacking a couple other features like stereo pairing. So one thing you can do with the Sonos these two Sonos One speakers, you can place one left and one right and get left and right channel audio. The HomePod won't do that yet. It will eventually. But um, yeah, if somebody's had, I've got 350 bucks to spend on a smart speaker, I would personally go buy two Sonos Ones. 
um, you would probably be much happier because you're going to get louder, more room-filling sound, or multi-room audio for the same price. And I can't imagine that the speaker sounds significantly better than uh, the play the HomePod sounds significantly better than a, than a Sonos One because they do sound really pretty dang good. And so, no, I I don't have any plans to buy one. I'm a Sonos household, and I'm too far down that rabbit hole to go spend uh, money on Apple stuff. Plus, Apple Apple moves. I know Sonos moves slow, but they've got ten years of headwind uh, with them because basically, uh, you know, a, a HomePod is going to sound great, but then what you're going to want is multi-room audio. Okay, let's pretend it supports that. That's great. And then you're going to want a subwoofer. Well, Apple doesn't have a subwoofer. Are they going to make a subwoofer? Are they going to make one that's compatible with it? Well, who knows? Like at least with Sonos, yes, you're going to be paying a premium, but at least, you know, you can build out a proper 5.1 setup. Although Sonos needs to get their head out of their butt and support DTS with their soundbar. And then I'll actually buy one. So, ooh, a lot of stuff this week, guys. A lot of good stuff. Uh, as always, very much appreciative of the questions and everybody tuning in. And, um, yeah, have yourselves a wonderful week or weekend. And I'll catch you right back here next Friday. We'll see what the world of Windows tech and beyond has in store. Have yourselves a lovely day.